if I asked you to name just one person killed by police in the United States, I'm sure you could tell me one name. You could probably even tell me the city that it happened in. You might even know the year that it took place. Some of you may even know the exact date. Others of you could probably tell me two people, three people, four, five, some even 10, 20. I think I could name a hundred off the top of my head. But if I asked you that same question, if I asked you to name just one person who was killed in jail or died in jail or in police custody, could you name just one person other than Jeffrey Epstein, not him, other than him, could you tell me the name of one person who died in police custody? And I tested that question over the past few days, and for 99% of people, they can't name a single soul. And I want you to understand that that's on purpose. Because guess what? A staggering 400% more people die in custody, behind bars, in jail, in prison. 400% more people die in custody than they do out of custody. While about three people are killed every single day by police in this country, or a total of about 1,200 people per year, nearly 5,000 people a year are dying in America's jails and prisons. And it's a crisis, but it's one that's hard and and just nebulous to confront because unlike the streets where we walk, where there is some accountability, where there are body cameras and cell phones and eyewitnesses, the ugliness happening in America's jails and prisons, with very few exceptions, is this nation's dirty little secret. And today, I hope, can be the first of many conversations where we begin unpacking exactly what's going on. And today, I want to leave you with a few names, a few stories, and a few jails and prisons that are a real problem. And over the next few weeks, we're going to weave in and out of talking about this issue because we're building up to some action steps First, I just want you to understand what's really going on. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. When it was announced a few weeks ago that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide and took his own life, I understood the suspicion. The man had just been on suicide watch. He was said to have had, and I believe he did, have dangerous information on some of the most powerful people in the world, including at least two pres- current and former presidents. And he was in a federal lockup facility right in the middle of Manhattan, which was full of cameras that was supposed to have regular checkups on the cells. And right away, the immediate determination by most people was that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. But for those of us who study and document these systems for a living, 
him taking his own life wasn't a surprise at all. Listen, I am wide open to the possibility that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. I'm wide open to the possibility that he was told to kill himself. But I'm also wide open to the possibility that he felt the burden and the pressure of all of his crimes and decided to take his own life. But what I want you to understand is that in the jail where he died, just like in every jail and prison in this nation, the people there are horribly overworked, undertrained, and underpaid. And I mean in all 50 states. I mean in every city and every county in this nation. I've seen hundreds of cases where the supervising officer was supposed to check on cells every 15 minutes, but skipped out on their rounds, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days at a time, regularly just penciling in on their forms, checked in 15 minutes, checked 15 minutes. I've seen the actual forms, where they lied, where they were caught lying. And I've seen that very thing happen over and over again when somebody ended up taking their own life, but the guards were somewhere watching Netflix, literally. And I've seen it with kids. I've seen it with adults. I've seen it with people that were on suicide watch because America's jails and prisons are cold and brutal and they push people to their very brink. Now, I don't know what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. I don't, and I don't think we'll ever really know. But I do know this, and I need you to know this. The jail where he was is badly mismanaged. I've heard that from people inside the jail. But the bigger point that I want you to understand is that every single day, at least 12 people per day that we know of, at least 12 people per day are dying in America's jails and prisons. And here's the thing. We basically just have to take their word for it when the authorities tell us that this person died of natural causes, that's a very popular thing to put on the report, or old age or the flu, which is something that I now see more often. Because what I know is that these jails and prisons are not the slightest bit transparent and they have no incentive and no real checks and balances to force them to be transparent. For a minute, let me just break it down. Break it down. Ken White, who is a criminal defense attorney in California, a brilliant attorney, responded to Jeffrey Epstein's death by laying out 32 different short stories about deaths in prison, real stories of real people. And he did this for The Atlantic. And if you are subscribed to our team at thebreakdowncrew.com or at theactionpack.com, we'll send you the link to this. These stories that he shared and thousands, tens of thousands, we know that if nearly 5,000 people die in jails per year, Two years is 10,000. Four years is 20,000. We're talking about, in 20 years, 100,000 people who die in America's jails and prisons. And the stories 
the 32 short stories that Ken White shares make plain, make crystal clear the painful reality that the actions of cruel and often incompetent and indifferent jailers regularly contribute to the loss of human life in jails all over the country. Ken White tells the painful, horrible story of a man who died in a Milwaukee jail of thirst. I want you to understand that the man who oversaw this jail is a close friend of Donald Trump. And Terrell Thomas died of dehydration after jail guards turned off the water in his cell for seven days. Sheriff David Clark, a regular defender of Donald Trump, buddy of Donald Trump, who has met with Donald Trump regularly, had multiple people die in the worst ways imaginable under his watch. And Terrell Thomas died of dehydration after they cut off his water for a week. Guess what happens if you don't drink for a week? You die. In our jails. My blood is boiling just thinking about it. In our jails, people are dying of thirst. Ken White tells a story that I first told and that many journalists in Miami told now five years ago. It's the story of Darren Rainey. And I want you to Google these names. I want you to remember these names. I want to ask you this question again in a few days. Can you name somebody? And I want you to say, unfortunately, yes, I can name Terrell Thomas. Look up Terrell Thomas, T-E-R-R-I-L-L, Terrell Thomas, who died of dehydration in Milwaukee. And I want you to look up, and I want to give you a warning before you do. It's probably one of the most painful stories I've ever written, I've ever told. I told it all throughout 2014 and 2015. It was the brutal, brutal, horrible death of Darren Rainey. D-A-R-R-E-N, Rainey, R-A-I-N-E-Y, Darren Rainey, who died at a South Florida prison after guards put him in a shower. This is a man who struggled mightily with mental health. They put Darren Rainey in a shower that they could lock from the outside. They rigged it that way, where they could turn the temperatures up from the outside. They rigged it that way. They built it that way. That didn't come standard. And they could turn the temperature up to boiling hot water. And they put Darren Rainey, multiple officers put Darren Rainey and locked him in a scolding hot shower until it boiled his skin off. Other inmates heard him screaming and crying until he died. Literally, when they turned the water off and went in there to get Darren Rainey, his skin was falling off, and he was said to have, this is a black man, said to look like a boiled lobster. 
just a few minutes later, they literally sent another inmate in to clean up. And he cleaned up, Lord forgive me for even saying this, huge chunks of skin from Darren Rainey. And I've seen the God-awful autopsy photos of what they did to Darren, who had less than a year left. He was in prison, not for selling drugs, just for drug possession. He had an addiction. He had a problem. He struggled with his mental health in the most extreme ways. He needed a hospital. He needed treatment. Instead, he got sent basically to a torture facility where he was boiled to death. Ken White tells the story of the death of Brian Perry at the Clackamas County Jail in Oregon, where guards were joking and literally taking cell phone videos of Brian Perry, B-R-Y-A-N Perry, Brian Perry at the Clackamas County Jail in Oregon, where guards were joking and filming him with their cell phones as he died of a drug overdose. They literally watched and laughed and filmed him as he died. This is what's going on in America's jails and prisons all over the country. But there's one particular jail that I have to tell you about today. Let me break it down. Well, I want you to force yourself to take the painful action to read Ken White's article in The Atlantic, the 32 short stories about death in prison that run the entire gamut of every situation that you can imagine, all of them depraved, preventable, all of them requiring people to be heartless and cold and incompetent to even take place. But those 32 stories are just the tip of the iceberg. And today I want to tell you, and I want us to focus in on the Cuyahoga County Jail. It's not a prison. We're talking about a local jail in Cuyahoga County, Ohio. This is Cleveland, Ohio. This is the county jail in Cleveland. People who've been detained there have regularly, this is documented, this is not opinion, they have regularly been tortured, and suffered the worst forms of abuse and neglect. And shockingly, in the past 14 months alone, nine people who were sent to the Cuyahoga County Jail died in custody. Now, you may have seen, and it is awful. I don't, I don't know if I shared it because I could hardly watch it there is a widely circulated video that really just came out this past month, but it was from an incident in 2018, and it shows guards pepper spraying a young woman named Chantel Glass. She was restrained in a chair. What I mean by restrained is her arms and her legs are tied down to a chair. It's a restraint chair. And as I even say those words, it reminds me, I have seen so many people tied to those restraint chairs. I think of a case in Virginia and another case in Savannah, Georgia, right away, 
who were killed in those chairs. They tied Chantel Glass into a restraint chair, her arms, her hands, her legs, her feet, and began pepper spraying her in the face, which can blind a person at close range. She was in jail for failure to appear in traffic court. Do you hear what I'm saying? That the, that the men in the Cuyahoga County Jail took this young black woman, strapped her down to a restraint chair, arms, legs, feet, and began spraying her eyeballs with pepper spray at close range, not allowing her to defend herself or to rub her eyes or to clean her eyes. After they sprayed her, they just left her there in the pepper spray, all in her eyes because she forgot to appear in traffic court. And here's the thing. This jail, the Cuyahoga County Jail, has engaged over and over and over again in so many cruel forms of abuse. It is basically an abuse center. We now have hundreds of reports now. These are documented public reports of the jailers deliberately using Food as a punitive measure. And what I mean by that is taking away people's lunch, their breakfast, their dinner, meals, sometimes for days. Pregnant women there have regularly been forced to sleep on floors as punishment. Overcrowding at the jails has resulted in 2,420 people being held in that facility when it only has a capacity of 1,700 people. In other words, 800 people don't have a place to stay, so they're just making stuff up. Now, neglect is a consistent theme of the Cuyahoga County Jail. Among the neglect faced by those at the jail regularly are lack of toothbrushes. Where have we heard this before? We're hearing this right now at ICE detention centers all over the country. And it's part of what I need you to understand is that ICE detention centers are just another form of mass incarceration. Now, they're incarcerating different people, and they are indeed doing the horrible of separating children and sending them to detention centers and parents and sending them somewhere far away. But just like they're doing in the ICE detention centers at the Cuyahoga County Jail, they continue to fail to provide people toothbrushes, toothpaste, toilet paper. People are in their cells without a way to wipe their butts. Forgive me for the grossness of that, but have you ever been in that panicked moment where you didn't have toilet paper? But guess what you can do? You can call for somebody to bring it, and and you have that awkward moment where they have to stick their arm in there and throw you a roll of toilet paper or you waddle yourself around the house or do whatever you have to do. But imagine being in a cell and you don't have toilet paper. Regularly, they lock people down for 27 hours straight. They deny patients, people with prescription needs. They deny people regularly of their medication. Right now, I again, I want you to practice these names. I want you to commit these things to memory. 
We're talking about the Cuyahoga County Jail. That's the jail in Cleveland, Ohio. Let me spell Cuyahoga for you. C-U-Y-A-H-O-G-A. C-U-Y-A-H-O-G-A. Cuyahoga County Jail. Google that. Cuyahoga County Jail abuse. Cuyahoga County Jail death. Cuyahoga County Jail neglect. Right now, at the Cuyahoga County Jail, the average meal costs the county. Take a guess. How much do you think it's costing the county to provide a meal to the adults who are there? less than that. $3, nah. Two, nope. One, nah. Right now, the average meal at the Cuyahoga County Jail is costing the county 64 cents. 64 cents of food is what they're giving people for every meal. And people are dying They're taking their own lives and they're dying in the most horrible ways. Among some of the people who've died just at the Cuyahoga County Jail are a veteran and two men who were jailed there on low-level drug possession offenses, okay? And I'm talking about people who have not been convicted. They're just being housed there temporarily. You need to know the story of Nicholas Colbert. Nicholas Colbert, a 36-year-old Army National Guard veteran, died by suicide in May of 2019. He was being held there in the jail on a $1,500 bond because he had a drug possession charge. Nicholas Colbert, a 36-year-old veteran in this country who sacrificed his life and body to protect this country, took his own life. He was in jail for possession of drugs. He needed an intervention program. Brendan Kikitz, 27 years old, died by suicide in December of 2018. He was in jail on suspicion, suspicion, of violating the terms of his court-ordered drug intervention program. Let me interpret that for you. Brendan, 27 years old, takes his own life in jail after being put in there when he was struggling, they suspect, with his drug intervention program, put back in jail. Alan Martin Gomez Roman, that's his whole name. Alan Martin Gomez Roman. He's 44 years old, also died by suicide. And Alan had been arrested on a months-old warrant for possession of a tiny amount of cocaine. And his bond was set at $1,500, but he could have been released for $150. $150. He took his own life instead. This is happening at the Cuyahoga County Jail. Joseph Arquillo can be seen on video being ignored by guards for two hours. Joseph, for two straight hours, collapsed from an overdose 
And you can see the guards looking right at the video, collapsed from an overdose, and he dies right there in the jail. In addition to these nine deaths, attempted suicides in the Cuyahoga County Jail have tripled. In 2016, they reported that there were 23 attempted suicides. Now, last year, there were 69. The number has tripled of the number of people in these brutal, inhumane conditions who are taking their own lives and dying and being tortured in the worst ways possible. This isn't overseas. This isn't Abu Ghraib. This is in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, let me tell you what they're doing to children there. Break it down. down. In spite of all of these dangerous conditions, in spite of the deaths, the suicides, the torture, and so many of these things actually going public, 34 different children who have their own facility in Cleveland, in Cuyahoga County, 34 different children have been transferred to this adult jail. Now, they're being transferred there without any written policy specifying how or when or why children are supposed to be sent there. Now, Ohio law, and this is important, over and over again, there are massive policy failures that we have to address. Ohio law allows children to be sent from a juvenile facility to an adult-only facility only, quote, if the transfer is in the child's best interest. And these 34 transfers, they're not in any child's best interest. Hell, it is not in an adult's best interest to be sent to this facility. There is no logical, ethical, moral argument for sending a single child there. And the reasons when when they started getting pressed on this, the reasons that judges started giving for why they were transferring children, kids, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, kids to the Cuyahoga County adult jail, according to a review by the ACLU, included kids refusing to attend school. Did you hear what I said? Kids refusing to go to class so they get sent to the Cuyahoga County Adult Jail. And I'm not talking about scared straight, the foolish show where they try to scare the hell out of kids. No, I'm talking about they're transferring kids to be in jail with adults because they're not going to class properly for writing on walls and vandalism for, quote, being disruptive. Listen to me. You don't send a child to an adult jail where men are so desperate, so despondent, and the conditions are so horrible, and the staff so incompetent and cruel that people are taking their own lives every few days. So you send a kid there because they're, quote, being disruptive, because they didn't go to class. Listen, I think you've heard me say this before, but I taught for years and years 
in youth detention centers and jails and prisons all over Georgia, full time, five days a week, eight hours a day, day in and day out. Kids are struggling mightily with depression. Many of them are put in class, say, at a 10th grade level because they're 16, but they might be reading at a first or second grade level. Many of them are functionally disabled because of strong, strong learning disabilities they have. I have engaged with children in these youth detention centers all over Georgia who simply could not read. But there's not an option for them to go to a class for somebody on a first grade reading level. They just have to go to class with people their age or people their size. So, of course, a child sometimes who has now been charged with a crime doesn't feel like going to class sometimes. Hell, kids who aren't in jail sometimes don't feel like going to class. And it's not an excuse for them to now be permanently transferred or punished by sending them to an adult jail. And here's the thing. Over and over and over again, it shows, and here's what's wild, that the adult jails have no education systems for children. They weren't built for children. So because a kid was struggling in school, refusing to go to class, almost always because they had some type of learning disorder or disability, some type of learning challenge. They could be dyslexic. They could literally just be struggling with their literacy and their reading level. And because they skipped a class, you now send them to a place where they don't have class. Okay. You now isolate these kids often for 27 hours at a time where they are denied human contact or recreation or showers and study after study after study has shown that when you isolate children really all the way up until 25 years old, when the brain is still developing into your twenties, that it is detrimental to the development of the human brain and they're doing it anyway. Well, here's the thing. And I hadn't originally planned on us having this action step but I've done made myself mad. So we're going to have an action step for today. All right, let's go. Now there's somebody who can do something about all of this. Now here's the thing. The people who are responsible for the conditions in a place like the Cuyahoga County Jail, they are counting on us not understanding who's responsible, what they're responsible for. They love operating in silence with no accountability. And there is one particular man, County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley, who can do something about the conditions in the Cuyahoga County Jail right away. Listen, through their bail policies, elected prosecutors, you most often hear me call them district attorneys, but in some counties they're called the county attorney or the county prosecutor It's all the same thing. They play a vital, critical role in determining how many people actually end up in jail and for what reasons they end up in jail. And here's the thing. Money bail primarily exists to make wealth. It doesn't. It's not dangerousness that determines whether or not someone awaits 
a trial in jail or at home or has money bail. If someone possesses drugs because they have an addiction and you now put a cash bail on them that they simply cannot afford, you didn't do that to protect society. And you damn sure didn't do it to protect them because they're going in your jail and still dying of suicide and drug overdoses. They're still being strapped to chairs and tortured. Keeping people in jail simply because they're poor is destabilizing to them, to their mental health, to their employment, to their families, and to their communities. It's why we oppose cash bail in general. It jeopardizes people's housing, their health, and their employment. Over and over again, we see scenarios where somebody is charged with a crime that they did not commit. And I need you to understand this, and this is essential. In Cuyahoga County, where the jail is overcrowded with over nearly 2,500 people, 61% of the people there, 61%. You get a room full of 100 people, 61 of them. You get 10 people, 6 of them have not even been found guilty of a crime. They are all there pre-trial and simply cannot afford bail. If they were wealthy, they wouldn't have been there for 30 minutes. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor uh, uh, Michael O'Malley has said, hey, this is a quote from him, I fully support non-cash bail, he says, for non-violent felony cases. And he said, when we do speak up, It's when we feel it's necessary to protect the safety of the community. But listen, Prosecutor O'Malley, you're not protecting the community in hundreds and hundreds of these cases. And here's where we're going to ask you to do something about it, because here's what we're seeing. All over the country, district attorneys are bringing their communities together and they're making them safer through prosecutor-led bail reform in St. Louis And in Dallas and Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, my friend, District Attorney Larry Krasner, stopped seeking cash bail on 25 different misdemeanor charges and all types of nonviolent felonies, which made up more than 61% of all cases in the Philadelphia criminal justice system. A study revealed that the new policy did not result in increased failures to appear in court or increased crime. And that's what they say. If we don't charge this bail... People aren't going to be in court. A study already proved that that's a lie. People still go to court. And it does not increase crime. Here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking all of you to please, please let your feelings be known to Cuyahoga County Prosecutor. He is their district attorney. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor, that's in Cleveland, Ohio, Mike O'Malley. And here's his phone number. Please be bold and make this call. Save the number in your phone. Cuyahoga is spelled C-U-Y-A-H-O-G-A. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael Malley. Call him at area code 216-443-7800 and tell him that because he continues to charge cash bail for nonviolent offenders, Of all kinds, because he continues to do this, he is sending people to their death. People who were charged with simple drug possession are going in there and 
dying of drug overdoses and suicide. They're being tortured for traffic offenses. Prosecutor O'Malley, why are you sending someone to jail who missed their court date? Give them an opportunity to simply reschedule it. Be decent. Be normal. Be humane. It was a traffic ticket. But because you insisted on her going to jail, she got strapped down to a chair and had her face sprayed with pepper spray. Prosecutor O'Malley, we're asking you. At 216, area code 216-443-7800, we're asking you, Prosecutor O'Malley, stop sending people to jail because they're poor. Stop sending people to jail because they cannot afford their bail. You are costing people their lives. And it's getting worse by the day. Your jail is overcrowded because you have not kept your word. Let me give you some instructions. Please be respectful of this man. Do not curse. Do not yell. Do not be disrespectful. You may never get to speak to him. You may get to speak to some hardworking person in his office who didn't make this decision. Even if it was him, here's what I have found. People cannot hear your logic sometimes through your anger, but particularly through your disrespect. And I'm asking all of us when we do these action steps to always be respectful, primarily because that works better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not because we're not angry, not because we're not pissed off, because we should be. These are crimes against humanity. Call, I want you to call, be bold, have some guts. Maybe you've never made one of these calls before. They're, they're difficult. Call, ask to speak to somebody in Prosecutor Michael Malley's office and let them know that you are begging him to stop sending poor people to jail simply because they cannot afford their bail. That's not right. It's unethical. It's immoral. It's causing the jail to be needlessly crowded and it's costing people their lives. Pregnant women are sleeping on the floors. Let's stop this. I want you to hear what I've said, but make it your own. Put these things in your own words. And then the final action step is this. I want you to begin learning about the jail conditions in your own community. Find out what are the policies of your district attorney on money bail. Have they criminalized poverty in your county? 99% sure they have. I need you to understand that we'll unpack this in a whole episode that we're planning. Cash bail is just a hustle. It's all about getting other companies and other people wealthy. It's just a hustle. They're not doing that to, to keep the community safe. They're not doing that because it's necessary. No studies show that. Cash bail is a hustle for certain industries to make money. I want you to find out what your prosecutor What have they done to end money bail? Are they willing? Maybe they are. Are they willing to just begin ending it on certain causes and cases? Are they willing to to not charge money bail for people who simply could never afford it? Again, we're we're seeing people die in jail because they can't afford $150. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Then how can you charge it? How can you 
impose that on somebody and give them, in essence, a sentence before they've even been convicted of a crime. How are your local jails being run? How is your money, your tax dollars, how are your tax dollars being spent? I want you to just begin finding out and investigating these things. Find out the name of your local district attorney and begin Googling and just calling and saying, hey, I'd like to schedule a meeting and speak to someone about some questions I have. All right. I appreciate you all. Thank you for this long for for making it all the way through this longer episode. But I hope you understand and remember some names. I want to remind you of some of the names that we shared at the beginning. I want to remind you of Terrell Thomas, who died of dehydration in the Milwaukee County Jail. I want to remind you of Darren Rainey, who was boiled to death in a jail outside of Miami. I want to remind you of Brian Perry, who was filmed and guards joked as he died right in front of their faces of a drug overdose. I want you to Google those words, 32 short stories about death in prison by Ken White. I want you to read those stories for yourself. Break it down. Of course, thank you so much for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love, love, love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You have to hit that subscribe button. Please, if you haven't already, share this podcast with your friends and family because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers and we're just not going to get there without you. Thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. Now, if you love this podcast and you want to support our work, or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of the North Star. You can do that right now at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have all of our podcasts, but hundreds of original articles. Now a thousand original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our associate producer, Lissandra, our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, and the great talented team at The Appeal for helping with today's episode. Thank you all for your hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down.